Norfolk Southern is delivering a low carbon economy, which benefits everyone. We're providing customers a way to significantly reduce their supply chain transportation emissions and improve air quality in our communities. As the first class one railroad to offer green bonds, I can tell you, we're not just in the business of moving freight. We are in the business of a better planet. There is over a trillion dollars of waste in supply chains today. The net zero carbon emission is something that corporates are taking very seriously. To meet these objectives, they're going to have to take into consideration CO2 emissions. Welcome to Net Zero Carbon, a show at FreightWaves where we focus on inspiration, information, and insights in sustainability and transportation. I'm your host, Danny Gomez. Today, I'm lucky to be joined by Bart DeMunk, analyst from Gartner. Bart, thanks for joining us. Happy to be here, Danny. So um, this is super exciting. This is the first in a three-part series where we're really going to be laying out the framework for understanding how folks should be approaching GHG emission inventorying as well as understanding the, um, the things that they can do to reduce their emissions and really ending with kind of this offset um, opportunity at the end of, you know, this, this accounting life cycle. Um, today, you know, we're lucky to have you here. Um, we want to understand your background. You know, I've had the pleasure of talking to you on many occasions, and I feel like every time I talk to you, I come, back, come out with a greater understanding of the industry as a whole. Um, and you've also had some focus on sustainability. Before we jump off, do you mind just giving us um, some background on how you got started in the industry and kind of the things that you've done along the way? Sure. Yeah, I've been in supply chain for about 30 years and 25 years in logistics specifically. My background was a little bit different, um, although I'm now kind of in logistics and tech. Uh, neither one was in my background coming from college. I actually studied business management and had a focus on strategy. Started my job with Ernst & Young, got into GE Capital, and re really that's where GE Capital started a joint venture with Penske Logistics, large 3PL in the U.S. to form Penske Logistics Europe. I was happy to be part of the team that started Penske Logistics, and that's really where I started to focus on logistic, logistics, starting to look at processes. I was also trained as a Six Sigma black belt. Started to really focus on how do operations run in warehouse and transportation, improving those processes. And one of the things early on we saw that technology had an incredible opportunity to even further improve those uh, redesigned processes. So in the mid-90s, started implementing things like TMS and routing solutions and telematics long before uh, transportation technology really had the wide-scale approach uh, that it has now and when we had a lot less type of capabilities. And that's really the, the focus I've had for the last 25 years, like I said, on the 3PL and asset-based side, then moved on to the technology side where I worked for several technology startups, then was at PepsiCo for 10 years as a shipper, and really now been as an analyst for the last seven and a half years here at Gardner, taking all of those different approaches from the shipper side, the 3PL, the carrier side, and the technology side to advise companies uh, around logistics. And then specifically, my role is to focus and lead our transportation technology research. That's great. In, in, in that journey, um, you know, we, sustainability has been, you know, really a hot topic right now. And it seems like it's um, in every newspaper, there's an article and every, I just flew this last weekend. And even going through the airport, there's, there's signs, um, even just going out to the tarmac about how, you know, how United is, you know, focusing on sustainability. In that, in that 
career, um, obviously this isn't a new problem. People have been focusing on it for a while. And that's what I've learned as I've dove in is that there have been people around for, you know, diving in on this problem for, for over 10 years. Um, and, and good for them that it's now, you know, paying off that they've been here. But in your experience through the industry, where did you see that kind of inflection point where people were starting to, to really pay attention? And then more recently, what do you, what do you feel in this change? Yeah, there's a couple of different things. Uh, if you look at greenhouse gas emissions specifically within sustainability, obviously transportation has always been a big contributor. And what we've really seen the last few years is that other industries have done a lot of improvement to kind of scale back on their emissions. And we haven't really seen that in transportation. Why? Because we haven't invested enough. And also at the same time, it's an industry that continues to grow. Uh, we don't have less trucks on the road. We actually have more. Right. So so that's one uh, area where we're really behind other industries. And so that started waking us up. The other part is that we're seeing other external parties to put a lot more pressure on companies, whether that's governments, uh, whether that's also investors. And then the third part is really, I think, the customers, whether it's your business customer or even your consumers, they're demanding from the companies that they're buying from or the partners they work with to be a lot more um, sustainable because they are really looking at sustainability as a factor when they are looking at who do they want to deal with, who do they want them to provide their products and supply their products. So I think all of that together, uh, given the situation we're in today, I think that's really moved the needle forward. And I think on the other side, we also see that last year, obviously, with the heavy impact of COVID, we scaled back a little bit our sustainability efforts in transportation. But this year, it has really come back in a big way. And it's one of the top uh, criteria and the top priorities that CEOs have behind you know, talent, as well as investing in technology. Sustainability is really at the forefront of, of what companies are looking into. That's the perfect segue for, I think, what is at the meat of this conversation today, which is something that we've came, come across um, using Gartner, which is this pyramid, which is called the Journey for GHG Emission Reduction and Logistics. And for those who... Um, who are listening, who can't see it, I'll describe it a little bit here. So it's a pyramid. And at, at the bottom, it has these different seg segments. At the bottom, it says GHG emission measurement. That's the base. And the way that the pyramid is built, and I think this is on purpose, right, that as you go up, at, you know, you're, you're spending less and less of your time as you move up the pyramid. That really at the bottom, the foundation for this is start to measure. Then you talk about optimization strategy. So you go through and you list load optimization, modal shift, network design, vehicle optimization, managed growth as some examples and optimization strategies. Then you move in, once you kind of move beyond that, or I'm sure there's there's some overlap there, then the collaborative transformation, which is industry associations, customer engagement, three PLs, and at the very top, this emissions offsetting strategy. Um, so what I want to do today is really to go through and get you know from you a better understanding of these different tiers. Um, and to start, let's focus on measure, you know, as as whether people have been doing it um, already or they want to make improvements or they have not yet taken that first step on this journey. And they have these pressures that are saying that you should be doing this either from a governmental or from a, from a, a marketing perspective or just because this is where your company is putting priority. Describe measure. What does that mean? Yeah, correct. Measure really is the first step, right? And and we'll get into that a little bit more. But the way we kind of built the pyramid as well is that you can't do everything day one, right? So there's a journey in your sustainability 
that you go through in different steps because one, some things can be done very short term. Uh, other things, those changes need a lot longer, but it's also our companies actually ready to be able to handle that change. So there's also an aspect of feasibility. And the one step that you don't see specifically in the pyramid, because it, it's kind of painting a picture of what you should do, but really the, fi- the first pic- uh, step there in the process is to build your sustainability strategy. And so thinking about what sustainability means for your company is the first step. And then how you go about that within transportation, it really starts with the analytics. And it's like the saying, right? You can't control what you can't see. So if you don't measure it and you don't know really where you're starting from, how are you going to improve it? And so I think a lot of companies, especially those companies that you know outsource all of their transportation, either to a 3PL or even to carriers, how do they really understand what their greenhouse gas emissions, what their sustainability footprint is, when all of that is really handled by a different party. So we're seeing now more and more in either analytics platforms or where we're seeing it maybe even in TMS systems or in last mile and and other vehicle routing solutions where companies more and more are starting to measure the the greenhouse gas emissions. And they're doing that post-shipment. But even some companies are already starting to do it pre-purchase. So where a customer, for example, in retail, when they put an an order in, when they're making that decision of when to ship it, how to ship it, and when they want to receive it, where they can see different scenarios and they understand the impact it has from a greenhouse gas emissions perspective. So I think that's really where we're seeing companies, one, focusing on, okay, how do we get the data? I think in some countries, there have been a little bit more advanced because we do have something like carbon tax in certain countries around the world. So those countries have already had technologies in place because they had to report on those emissions. Obviously, in North America, we're a little bit behind on that, but that's the first step we're starting to see. The other part of that is when you're measuring is also what's the methodology you use for that and what are the standards you're using. So when we measure it, we all measure kind of the same thing. And that's really where we're starting to see companies adopting some of these uh, methodology, uh, like from GLEC, which is the Global Logistics Emissions Council, where it's a lot of companies really working to get a whole organization or a group of organizations to set that methodology. So when we are measuring, we're actually measuring it on a consistent basis. You mentioned something there, um, you know, the idea of collecting data. So when we talk about GHG accounting, there's different scopes, right? There's scope one, there's scope two, and scope three. And there's so much focus on scope three right now because it's measured to your point, it's trying to measure the thing that you don't directly control, right? It's the suppliers into your network, their emissions, and how do you get that data? Have you seen, um, you know, you, you talk about technology and different platforms. What do we do to help firms as they go in and start to understand Um, how they can pull in data from their supplier network. Yeah, I think part of it is that collaborative. When Every time you talk about uh, data and transportation, it is a collaborative effort, right? Because you're not creating your own data. You're you're getting data from, as a manufacturer, from your supplier, maybe from customers, from carriers, 3PLs, etc. So you need to understand that when you're working with suppliers, you get the right data, similar to things like visibility, right? That your carrier provides you you know, updates of where your product is. But I think the fact that we're working, especially in transportation, much more with technologies that are cloud-based and are platform-based, 
it allows us a lot better to share data. And the other part is I think companies are starting to understand that kind of keeping their own data as something that's incredibly value if, valuable if they only keep it in by themselves and not sharing it, that mantra is starting to change. And that's something that within Garden, we talk to a lot of companies about around the value of sharing data and being able, especially in things like here, where we talk about sustainability, where we can share data so we all collectively can understand better what really good should look like and then benchmark ourselves, our organizations, to kind of what good looks like to help companies improve. Okay, so it sounds like measure means find a a methodology, um, a way to calculate your own emissions, whether it's from your the, the, the assets that you own or the energy that you're using for your facilities or your business, and then having good conversations with your with your supplier network to get that information from them. Just pausing there for a second, have you seen already in some of the service agreements that um, that shippers are asking of their suppliers to be providing them with emissions data as a requirement for providing service? I have not seen that in a, in a big scale, Danny, but what we are seeing is companies, for example, that demand that they're as part of organizations like Smartway, because that guarantees almost that they are doing certain things, that they're putting things in place to actually improve their footprints. So I think we're just starting with really asking those questions, right? As we are putting in place the analytics, where we're saying, well, how do we really get the data? And part of getting the data is actually starting to include that in some of the uh, SLA agreements that we have with our partners or where we jointly kind of say, hey, since we're all kind of part of that same supply chain where it's a supplier, maybe the supplier ships a product to me and then I'm using a carrier to ship it to my customer, how do we all agree to kind of set similar goals and to really you know, keep ourselves uh, honest about those goals uh, by providing uh, the data and doing it as a collaborative effort? Okay, that makes sense. So we're getting to a place where people are aware we're starting to, I mean, you know, the, just the conversations and the topics are becoming important. People realize how important they are. But we're still yet in the early innings of data share and making this um, easy for everybody to, to pull this data together. So we'll stay tuned on the developments there. Uh, but that doesn't mean you should stop, right? You don't need to stop at measure. There's still things you can do. One of the other things in the report that I read that you put together was the example of a mission reduction budget plan, which I thought was really cool, where you show your, you know, your emissions and then you you show some growth on top of what your existing business is. And then you chart out what are the different um, improvements that you're going to make and what those impacts have on the reduction. And then you kind of end at a target. You talked about this at the very beginning of our conversation. You know, setting like one of the setting the plan is really important as well, just as important as measure. Can you talk about, you know, when you talk to companies, what does that process look like? How do people identify the things that are good for their business to implement and how they go about assessing kind of the cost of doing those things and then the, the reduction? Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit around them understanding what are really all the benefits that they can get from it. Because I think in the past, people always thought, well, sustainability, we have to do just for the greater good. I think companies are starting to understand now, and part of that is is also the education. And obviously, that's why we help and advise our clients and we, we do so much research around it, that now companies understand that, yes, you can be sustainable, but at the same time, it can help you grow your company. It can help improve profitability. It can help reduce transportation costs. 
Um, so there's it can help you win more business or retain existing business. So I think it goes way further than just that the, the, the fact of, hey, we have to be sustainable, and now it's going to come at a cost. Uh, one of the cl- uh, clear examples we've already seen, and this was already several years ago, companies like AB InBev that in Europe saw this spike in demand for non-alcoholic beers. And well, the way you make non-alcoholic beer is you make alcoholic beer, regular beer, and then you extract the alcohol. And they said, well, what do we do with the alcohol? Because, you know, we're not going to turn that into liquor. So is it just waste? What is it? And so they found a company that were able to transform that excess alcohol into a biofuel that they can then use for their trucks. So not only are they now becoming more sustainable, but actually had a product that they probably would have had to pay for to dump it. And now they can actually use it as kind of a free byproduct um, of their manufacturing process and use it in their truck. So it's it's a cost savings. And that's where we're seeing more and more that companies are starting to see that effect of, hey, if we're starting this, there are areas where we not only uh, benefit sustainability, but other things. And you know very well uh, as well that, you know, in today's world, we're facing on not just on the trucking side, but we have seen it in ocean air. We're seeing issues around rates, around capacity. So people are looking around, you know, how do we get more capacity and how do we lower cost? Well, the same things that we put in place there to improve our capacity, like maybe making sure we have higher load percentages or we eliminate uh, a lot of the empty miles and create more backhauls by collaborating with other shippers or where we are actually maybe even using different modes of transportation. Those same things also have an impact from a sustainability perspective. And that's why we see companies using the technologies they might already have, things like transportation modeling or transportation optimization, where they can do things like load optimization or where they can do uh, backhaul, create backhauls or multi-pick, multi-stop trips, and where they even can do modal optimization, maybe saying, hey, we can go intermodal or rail rather than truck. So all of those things together and looking at what are maybe the capabilities I already have in-house with existing technologies can now be put in place, not just purely from a sustainability perspective, but also looking at it from how do we create more growth uh, and profitability in the company by reducing some of those costs. Yeah, I think that's super important. In in the pyramid, you guys did a great job. It says optimization strategies. And right on the left side, it says cost savings, um, because that's important, right? A lot of what we talk about or hear about in conversations is the efficiency, the efficiency gains that are out there to be made that make your business more profitable, to your point, but it also have the benefit of reducing emissions. Um, and, you know, empty miles is another really great example of that. You know, moving into, you know, if you look at that, the the budget plan that you put together in this document, there's also a line there for for EV. And that kind of, I think, talks a little bit about the collaborative transformation process, investing in reducing emissions, collaborate to gain access to new technologies, right? And so you talk about picking partners, right? Some of these technologies, and we talk to, to carriers, they say, look, it's not there yet, or people on the rail, it's, it's, it's not necessarily there yet, the savings that I'm going to get from the investment I make, but yet people are still doing it, right? Talk a little bit about what are what you're seeing in terms of the driving factors there, how people should think about partnerships and what those really look and feel like from a from an implementation perspective. Yeah, we're, we're seeing a lot more of that, right? Where people are looking into what are 
the alternatives for certain of the, the trucks and the assets that we're using. And that doesn't always mean that we have to get away from diesel, because to be honest, you can buy new trucks that are obviously a lot more uh, you know, performing, lower maintenance cost and better fuel utilization uh, than the older trucks you have. And depending on what kind of transportation you're in, maybe in, in the longer truck hauls, you might replace your vehicle every seven years if you're in North America. If you look, for example, in Australia, their trucks are probably more like 17 years old on average. So that cycle of replacing vehicle is, is quite different if you look around the world. But then there's also, uh, if you look at it, for example, in, in more like the last mile where you use a lot of vans, you have companies like large retails, whether it's Coca-Cola or PepsiCo and all those companies that have, you know, uh, vehicles with very low emissions like electric vehicles. But at the same time, they also have vehicles that are maybe 20 plus years old that have a lot of emissions. So as companies are really looking at how can they procure uh, assets, and we know last year with everything that happened, uh, the number of trucks, new trucks that were being procured was very low. This year, obviously, with higher rates, carriers are making more money. So hopefully they can invest more, one, in, in higher wages for the drivers, but also in newer trucks that they can make that decision to say, let's buy better performing trucks that can be cleaner diesel engines, or we can go to alternative fuels. And there, there's a, obviously a lot of choice whether you use electric vehicles, whether maybe you're looking at uh, hydrogen fuel cells, or you're looking at uh, biofuels, et cetera. But I think the other part is we can't just look at that from our partners alone, partners being our 3PLs or our carriers. The government plays a very big role in that as well, because when we do go away, more and more from the combustible engine uh, and the regular diesel fuels, you also have to have the infrastructure in place to have that type of fleet. And that's, again, where we're seeing in North America, we're still far behind. If you look, for example, at regions like Scandinavia, where we're seeing some of the best performing countries in terms of what they're investing to improve sustainability on the transportation side, there we're seeing the government investing heavily in infrastructure, and also at the same time, put in certain um, tax benefits in place that help people make those uh, procurement decisions. So, for example, uh, if you're buying a vehicle, whether it's a truck or maybe it's even uh, a vehicle for one of your employees to say, hey, if you're buying an electric vehicle, we're going to give you a lot more tax benefits than if you are going to buy a, uh, a vehicle that is, for example, just a regular diesel vehicle. So the government has a big role to play in that. And I think under the current administration, we're seeing more kind of going towards, yes, let's have responsibility around infrastructure and, and make an investment in the infrastructure, but then also kind of enticing people to do that, starting with the government fleets, right, where there's a mandate there to replace all government vehicles and make them electric. And that includes, for example, uh, the, the entire fleet of the U.S. state's postal service that are many, many thousands of, of vehicles. But it is something that, uh, as you mentioned, it is something you have to do in partnership. And it's between the manufacturers, it's the transportation operators, it's the government, which is local as well as federal. So we all have to work on that together in partnership. So it sounds like, all right, start, measure, um, put together a plan, do the things that you already do more efficiently, um, then look at ways that you can introduce new technologies and potentially get into partnerships, understand the regulatory landscape that may assist in ways or 
help guide the activities that you bring in because there may be some tax benefits available to you. I mean, California is a very good example of that on the renewable fuel side. And then we get to the last step, which is, and we hear this often, right? Measure, reduce what you can't, offset what you can't. Um, there is this opportunity if you want to claim um, net zero and you want to further, re you want to reduce the things that you can't, um, offset the things you can't reduce. Talk a little bit, just real briefly about what that means. What are offsets and how do people um, apply them to their business? Yeah, so so we see more and more companies that partner with what we call these carbon offset programs that are programs that companies can buy into to say for the carbon that you're emitting, you can offset that. And obviously they have programs in place, uh, whether it's planting trees and doing all these things that actually help the environment. So it's, it's something, again, that you can do once you measure it, instead of saying, well, maybe electric vehicles, that's we're going to do it, but maybe that'll take us five or 10 years, at least putting in some of those programs that help kind of offset some of the damage we're already doing is obviously a, a way that in the short term, you can actually help uh, improving sustainability. And so we're starting to see more and more uh, even solution providers starting to partner with those carbon offset programs. So it makes it easier for companies when they're using a TMS or routing solution or maybe an analytics platform, when it, when it tells them this is how much uh, greenhouse gas emissions you're actually creating to then also offset that. And I think that's uh, another powerful thing because the, the, the easier you make it for people to start doing new things, the easier you make the technology to access through partnerships, other um, advantages of these solutions, the easier it is for companies to start adopting that rather than having something that's completely standalone and where they feel like, oh, this is something else that we need to put in place and we need to invest in, we need to put resources in. So from that perspective, I think it's becoming easier for people to kind of end to end from planning the order all the way to, you know, paying the carrier and offsetting the carbon is almost now kind of an end to end uh, process that's very easy to achieve for a lot of companies. Yeah, that's great. And I love how you guys structured the pyramid. You know, you you have that foundation to measure, be efficient, find partnerships, and then um, offsets. And that's, you know, obviously the, the message we keep on, um, you know, underscoring is offsets are there, but you really need to make sure that you're understanding your business before you jump into the offset side of the, of the activities. Um, Bart, this has been great as always. Um, you know, one thing that I always ask at the very end is, you know, what do you hope to see? Because this is a very unique problem. It's not one that one company can solve on its own that we've got to do collectively. You know, Gartner is obviously a great resource for people and does a good job of pulling people together. Um, what do you what do you hope to see from the industry from a collaboration perspective? Yeah, we're already starting to see more and more discussions that are being held on different uh, platforms uh, between shippers, carriers, 3PLs, really all the people involved in this industry. And obviously, I know FreightWaves does a great job of bringing all those parties together as well. So my hope really is that people, by having those discussions, and I know it's sometimes hard because with COVID, we can't always be physically together in, in a room, but where we have the opportunity, where it's safe to travel, actually have more of these initiatives where we can bring people around the table together and say, how can we really attack this problem? Because technology on its own isn't going to be the solution. It's really the change of people's mindsets. And I think when everyone's on the same page and the shipper and the carrier or the 3PL or whoever's in the inter intermediary in between 
if we all kind of agree and take a common stance, I think it's so much easier to achieve. Then we can go figure out how to do it. But it really always starts from a collaboration perspective with having the mindset to willing to, one, collaborate with your partners. And then secondly, also, that means you would be willing to also share data. And then thirdly, start working together on on a solution. So I'm already seeing that some of that is happening. I'm just hoping that we're going to put more effort behind it. Uh, and really what we've talked about today, really make that into a reality. That's awesome. Um, thanks so much. If people want to get in touch with you, how should they do that? Uh, they can always get in touch through uh, Gartner.com where they can find our research or, you know, uh, on LinkedIn. If you want to contact me, Bart the Monk, uh, you'll see me on, on LinkedIn. I typically also post around, especially around topics like uh, collaboration and sustainability. We're very dear and close to my heart. So. Um, That way is the best way to get in touch with me. Awesome. Thanks so much. Norfolk Southern isn't just in the business of moving freight. They're in the business of a better planet. To learn more about Norfolk Southern's industry-leading sustainability initiatives, go to nscorp.com slash better planet.